Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We Didn't Know How Good We Had It. And this week, I'm really, really pleased to be joined by Chris and Robin from Hold Your Horses. How are you guys? Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having us. No, no, thank you for thanks for joining me, especially from sunny Spain. I think that you might be the furthest away that I've ever had a, a chat with someone over this. Uh, well, I'm very pleased about that. And Chris, not quite far as far away, but yeah, the weather's probably nicer where you are, Robin. Who looks it's, at it? Yeah, least. it's hot, man. I've actually got ants like crawling up my legs, so uh, <laughs> the listeners won't be able to see, but you guys will be able to see me fidgeting like mad. We'll, uh, we'll try and keep the fidgeting to the mi- to a minimum, but yeah, we'll make sure. <laughs> if you do start getting attacked, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pause and continue. But yeah, thank you guys. Like, I genuinely, thank you for, for joining me on this. It's, uh, it's been a couple of months in the make, hasn't it, Chris? I remember we mentioned it a little while back, um, obviously with the Samoans episode. Chris is the first returning uh, guest on the podcast. You must be pretty sick of him by now. Uh, yeah, to be fair, yeah. People well, just I'll, like they couldn't get enough of my really dulcet tones. I'll send you the award <laughs> in the post. <laughs> Little kids karate award, definitely for that one. All right, yeah, I, hate, uh, I hated hearing my voice on the first uh, first recording. Just hearing it, just going all the time. <laughs> mate, I have to record and listen to myself every time I'm editing these. Think about that. Put my drum and roll <laughs> over all this. But yeah, um, how have you guys been over the sort of the last, well, let's say since the beginning of last year, I guess, I guess with Robin, I can ask you for forever because we've not actually uh, met face to face yet. But yeah, how has the sort of last 18 months been for you guys? Uh, very different to the, all the time before that, because I had a baby 18 months ago. Congratulations. Thanks. And it's, what's crazy is that all the COVID shit is like hand in hand with having a baby for me. So I'm not really sure, like life's changed massively in that in that time and i can't really figure out <laughs> which, figure bits, which bits actually change. which bits are going to credit to having a baby and which bits to covid but yeah it's kind of weird i mean you can probably attribute having way more tiredness to the baby rather than you know covid mm. i'm always tired hi i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> but that's because actually just before this robin was telling us uh, he felt like he cycled for hours and hours and hours today and it wasn't particularly as far as Rob, but i don't blame you all i did was sit in an office chair all day so if you say you're tired i'm absolutely taking your word for that well i was at a i was at a wedding last night and then had to go to work this morning uh and it was a very nice wedding but a lot of food and drink was consumed so i'm sort of (laughs) not hungover just like got that that feeling of just everything's not right (laughs) (laughs) that that next day feeling yeah (laughs) Yeah, have you guys been, I mean, you've been conversations, so you, you talk quite often and things. I know with you living down in, in Portugal, Robin, um, do you get a chance to sort of catch up with the guys and things? Yeah, uh, I talk to I talk to Rouse quite a lot. Um, mainly we've got a group chat with our good mate Paddy. Um, and he was, so Rouse and Paddy were the best men at my wedding. And uh, so we made that group chat then and now it's just, it's become my daily chat with mates with just those two really so we actually a lot of it is talking about music and we've got um, a playlist a spotify like collaboration playlist <laughs> that we've been absolutely hammering <laughs> uh just putting all sorts of heavy horrible shit on it for about a year at least now nice any any notable um, bands you want to you want to name drop oh man who's not on this dude it's like it's like slayer and like uh, every time I die and stuff like that. There's a stuff. couple. There's there's the weirder stuff on there as well. Like some of the things that are a bit out there, but sometimes there's stuff that 
we'll put in our chat we'll be like have you heard this and then one of those two will be like no then it goes in the playlist straight on the playlist yeah and then like a few months later one of us will go have you heard this song we're like yeah i put it in the playlist a few months ago obviously <laughs> <laughs> i've been keeping up with the newsletter yeah, yeah. i mean there's but a lot actually i mean it started that playlist started as like let's just put all the stuff that makes us grin because it's heavy in one place so we did that and then it kind of I don't know if it's Chris Rouse going soft in his old age, but he uh, started putting uh, a few kind of more mellow tracks on there. And he's like, hey, look, it's heavy in its own way. <laughs> and I was like, mm, all right. Yeah, but then there's <laughs> some stuff in there. There's only, I think there's only like four songs that have been put in there that any of us have said, absolutely, that's not staying. That's horrendous. <laughs> true, true. And I think Paddy put them all in that. <laughs> yeah. What's, it, what's, no, it's the he- heavy, what's the heaviest act you've got in there then? Uh, I don't know. Some of the stuff Paddy puts in there, it's not even got like a tune. It's just kind of... <laughs> blah, 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 like, for like nice. three minutes. And that's have, it. You guys, uh, yeah. have you guys come across Frontera? No. Not you need sure. to get some Frontera in there. They're a Scottish slash American uh, tech metal pure honestly the heaviest hardest stuff you'll ever hear um yeah, yeah get some in there that'll uh, that'll wake you up if uh, if you're feeling tired nice i mean <laughs> i just i just had to open it whilst we were saying that and we're currently up to 24 hours of music in there very nice nice all bangers all, Not bangers. all bangers apart from four well oh no, I, the, yeah, honestly, no, no they I didn't make the cut yeah. i don't skip it very much like yeah i'd probably skip like one in 20 songs i try not to especially if it's something i don't know because then i think there might be a bit of that song that i really like but get if, you, you know but usually if it's not within the 30 first 30 seconds if i'm not interested then it's probably going to get skipped <laughs> yeah i'll Speaking tell you probably on one of the heaviest bands in there that's not heavy in in the conventional sense is girl band geez they're yeah. heavy yeah <laughs> in their own way <laughs> heavy in their own way you should definitely yeah. have that on a t-shirt <laughs> heavy in my own way <laughs> yeah yeah and are there any sort of talk about music are there any acts on i say i'm sticking to the playlist a bit there because are there any acts on there that might have influenced you guys when you were writing stuff with hold your horses then is there anything that takes you back to mm. the beginning of the day right at the start there's a band called uh riddle of steel i might have mentioned them before i don't know i talk about them all the time because i just yeah. think they're amazing but um when we first started out uh, me and Robin were in separate bands, but we were sort of sending each other music over MySpace. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what it was on. Showing your age so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we were sending tracks over that and saying, "Oh, this is cool. It'd be cool to be in a band that sounds like that." And then we're yeah. like, "Why don't we just start a band that sounds like that?" Yeah, we did try and rip off Riddle of Steel as much as possible during <laughs> our time as a band. I mean, they're like, I, I don't know. They're not particularly heavy, but they're also quite heavy like their guitars are down tuned pretty far and yeah they're kind of chunky some of the riffs in that like if you just dirtied them up a little bit you'd be like this is the heaviest riff i've ever heard in my life (laughs) but give you that gurn face yeah they make yeah they make you do that that face (laughs) that face that everyone knows (laughs) riff when the riff comes back but slower like that yeah (laughs) they're they're really they're really clever like they're not a band anymore unfortunately but like when if you you really get into them and listen to certain songs and you hear what the bass and the drums are doing like locked in together with the guitar that's doing something by itself the the, the way they do that is different to anyone else i know and yeah. i'm gutted that we never saw them live because they came 
they came over to England maybe only once and they played with Meet Me in St. Louis. So we were like in that scene and we didn't see that gig and didn't even know who they were at that point and then found out afterwards that they played in London together. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> that's the that's the curse of this podcast as well. I'm discovering so many bands that people are sending me that I'm never ever gonna get a chance to see. So I can feel your pain there with that. Yeah. That band specifically, they they were like such a big influence. Like the first few songs we've got, you could put them on any Rule of Steel album and be like, oh, it's Rule of Steel, but it was us. <laughs> you know, like I wrote some riffs and stuff and I'd send them to Robin because I couldn't ever finish a song. I could just write bits. Yeah. I'd yeah. send them to Robin and then Robin would turn it into a song and then I'd just rip off Riddle of Steel with the drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fair actually, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so Rouse, Rouse is actually a mean guitarist. I don't know if he's got that across in this podcast yet but he um i don't actually know you could play guitar i've known you for a good few years i didn't know that so i can yeah, he wrote and learn. badly <laughs> <laughs> he, he wrote loads of uh, ideas for hold your horses like at the beginning um and like he said like riffs like he just like got this one riff and i was like oh sweet that'll, that'd be cool and then we could like go from that to this and then we'd sort of together make it into a song and that's how we started a lot of the early tracks how, how did you guys sort of meet then? Like when it when it comes to I know you said you're in two different bands, each other music and stuff. How, how did you sort of meet to then get that mutual love of music? Um, I mean, we had our own little local music scene um, that we had like a handful of venues in the area, and then if it wasn't venues, it was like town halls or civic centres or whatever it was. Yeah, and we were both playing in different bands, and I was in a band called Jennifer Yellow Hat, um, and they were kind of we were like doing all right in terms of like getting gigs as a small local band um and we had enough friends that we could kind of make a venue busy yeah and then i heard robin's band at another gig well i can't remember what you were called then actually sketch outfit sketch outfit that was it sorry i should have remembered that um Some friend you are <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they, I, I saw him playing i can't even remember where it was but in some venue and i was like oh, this is really cool and then we put on our own show uh, at the tumble down dick and i was like robin come and play come and play with this uh this gig and support us and you came on and it was like they were sick they were really really cool like really like weird and you know funny time signatures and you know janky riffs and stuff and it was really good and it was different um but janky. i was like janky is a good word what so sort robin of year was it? Are we talking sort of like 2006 7 yeah um no, 2005-6. We broke up in 2006. Um, I remember that because one of the EPs that we recorded was like 17 and a half minutes long and we were like 17 and we wanted to be 18. And so we extended the last track to make it 18 minutes long. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we broke up when I was 18, which is 2006. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's class days. I like that idea. That you were so like so stuck with like it's got to be eighteen minutes. Did you just drag one track out for an extra thirty seconds? We the last track on it was like just a big kind of instrumental outro, and uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to make it a bit like a secret track and have a pause before it starts. <laughs> before it starts on an yeah. eighteen minute EP, nice. I think that's I mean, what I did. That band always felt to me like it was it was Robin's thing, and the other two were just kind of, you know like a backing band in a way was going along with it um but yeah it was always robin like that was driving force in a lot of that stuff yeah well, those guys were cool they like 
the drummer especially was really interesting to play with because he was I think he was taught by a jazz drummer so his technique was like yeah not what I was used to from the local music scene so he would come up with stuff that I was just like what the hell is that I love it um and he would play drums like not that hard and I'd be like dude hit the snare harder uh but I think we yeah it made for a quite a cool uh sort of ensemble I guess but then when I started playing with Rouse, I was like, oh shit, this guy hits hard. Honestly, Chris <laughs> is the hardest hitting drummer that I've I've ever met. I remember like uh, one of the first Simone's gigs, it was the first or second Simone's gig at the Flapper and uh, my good friend Kev's the sound engineer there and Chris is just checking the drums and Kev was just stood behind the desk and just nothing was up. And he was like, there's literally nothing I can do. <laughs> like it's just the loudest, <laughs> hardest hitting snare drum you've ever heard in your entire life. I just yeah. always used to watch Nirvana and stuff and think they're just playing really hard. So when I was playing, I was like, maybe that's the answer. Just play really hard. We need to if you look some, like you some brushes, Chris. Yeah. But if you look like you're putting in lots of effort, even if you're playing, playing really badly, people are like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> he, he's loud. <laughs> <laughs> even if I'm not playing very well, or I'm, you know, I'm not actually playing anything that technical. If you're just kind of looking like you are, people get into it. <laughs> fake it. Fake it till you make it. Is that Chris? Exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> What were the the first shows that you guys actually know? What were the first songs you guys remember sort of getting together and writing? Was it was it a Chris Riff thing then coming in and you were piecing it together, or did you have ideas? No, the before? first well, the first time we actually got in a room together, it was just me and me and Rouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's before we didn't really know what we wanted to do, like if we were gonna have a bassist or what. So this is before uh, Penny joined. Um, but I mean it was only probably a few weeks. But we yeah, we met up um I remember it was like a pretty hot summer day and we went to this rehearsal space in Guildford and we were just like, oh, started like basically bashing some ideas. And I, yeah, I remember the first song was called Broken Sound. We just wrote, basically wrote that riff uh, and came up with pretty much a whole song structure and I, we were like, oh, this one. Who had that riff? Because I think, was that one of the ones that I'd sent over and then you just turned into an actual song? No, that was a that was a Pearson original. That one. Is <laughs> that <laughs> what it says in the sleeve notes? Yeah, <laughs> it was about like if you listen to that and then you listen to Riddler Still, they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But ours was our stuff was always quicker than Riddler Still. So yeah, you Riddler, ten BPM faster, and yeah. Riddler Still could like hold it back and make it groovy, and we were just like, fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So so when did um when did James uh, James Penny join the band then? As you said, a couple of weeks later, and how did that sort of happen? Yeah, I can't remember exactly you how that happened. You introduced me to him because I didn't even know who he was. You said that he played in another band, um, yeah, and that you'd ask him to come along and and see what you thought. And I think we were in my we used to practice in my parents' house in the dining room, so we'd move like all the tables and chairs out and just set up the kit and stuff. And my mum and dad used to work nights and things, so yeah. they'd be out. And I think he came along to that and um, he just like turned up in a pair of tracky bottoms, had this crappy <laughs> old bass and stuff like that. <laughs> and then, but the, by the end of it, he was like, yeah, I'm really into this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you don't yeah, judge a book I by just... its cover, Chris. Sorry? Don't judge a book by its cover. Oh man, those tracky bottoms, that'll come up again later on, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we just sort of went from there, I guess. Um, and maybe are we doing a sort of a history gradually? We yeah, started. So I was like, yeah, well, what was the first sort of songs that you sort of put together and you went, oh, actually, we can we can do, rather than it just being fun, I guess that's the whole point of it in the first place. When did yeah. it sort of start sticking and thinking, right, we can do some of this, we're piecing an EP sort of style together or we, we can piece a set together and play a couple of shows? 
feel can't like... remember what yeah can't remember what our first gig was but i remember like the beginnings of recording it was at the westie i remember for um for that thing where they we had four bands set up i'll run for your corner. life yeah one in each corner of the room set up and it was a bit like a weird punk rock jules holland <laughs> so you'd play and then like it would swap to the next corner and you just turn around and watch that band it was really cool it was really good was a weird dickhead host there though as well just putting his arm out every time the band was there <laughs> <laughs> i don't like jules holland if anyone didn't guess that though <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. um, but yeah we i used to do a lot of recording actually like i had kind of a bit of equipment enough to record like a full band demo with like drum mics and stuff so we we started doing that and we had just to kind of like measure where we were, I think. So we had like loads of demos that sounded kind of all right. And I guess that's how we got a few gigs. And then we remember did our first EP with a guy called Al Heslop, um, who used to play in a band called Heights. He is an exceptional guitarist. Yeah, he um, is. <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing guitarist. We, so he used to put on gigs at um, the Cellar Bar in Bracknell. And I think we probably played a gig there for him or something in the early days. And then, then we found out that he was recording or you knew that he was recording. So then we just he like, had a tiny little studio next to, next to the venue. Do you remember? Yeah. It was kind of like a garage sitting in the middle of a park with no windows. Nice. <laughs> Perfect place to go. Yeah. That sounds totally, cool, totally it was, legit. Like, it was a wicked little place though. Like it was, yeah. it had like a little live room and then a, you know, his desks and stuff. And it was literally like a converted garage in the middle of a park with nothing around it. Really weird. Did it help um, having venues like the West? I know um, you spoke highly about that. I know Guy and John spoke really highly about it as well. And the Tumble Down Dick, which I don't think I actually think I gave you enough time to speak about um, when we when we chatted last. But did it, did it help you guys having venues like that, knowing, right, if we put something together, we're going to be able to have a show because we've got these amazing places to play and people that are putting on the shows? Dude, it, without the Westie, like I wouldn't be in a band probably. Yeah, like, there was like this weird thing. If you if you managed to play the Westie in your band, then you've actually done quite well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like the the I can't really like overstate how much we worship that place. Like growing up, we would go and see like the big local bands uh, playing the Westie, and we'd see like touring bands go through there, and it was just like we had it on such a pedestal, mm. and then. Yeah, like I ended up playing it in previous bands and like then eventually you end up like headlining the West End. You're like, what the hell? Like, I can't believe it. Like it when I was really a... loses that that feeling, does it? No matter, like I said, if you play it when you're a young band, you go, this is this amazing venue. You feel like really privileged to play it. But then when you're headlining it as well, or I said, even playing full of a full a packed crowd, not headlining it, it still has that exact same feeling. Is that the sort of vibe? Yeah, like, well, like playing there, you just feel like so proud of it because it's, it's like such a part of the band that you're in. And yeah, we we were so fortunate that like they were really on board with us and just would give us a lot of chances. And like we recorded the video to you show up in one of their side rooms and it's just such a cool place. Like felt like so, so fortunate to have had that around the corner, like where I was growing up. It's really, really cool. Any, it just, it was quite... Up? it was kind of homely like you'd you'd play there and you'd know that you'd get a lot of people in there anyway yeah because they wanted to go to the venue and it was like it was your scene so you'd have all your friends in other bands turn up and you'd go and watch their bands and stuff yeah and so it felt like a community and that was what was like really good about it any proper proper memorable shows that come off the top of your head uh i mean we had quite a few there Um, yeah like 
all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cop out. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's always it's such a pleasure to go there. Just yeah, to watch another band or or to play it as well. I mean, our penultimate show was there as well, wasn't it? And that was really good. Yeah. Like yeah. that was like a really nice feeling to, you know, our first ever gig had been there. And then basically our last gig was there as well. Um, we yeah. did one more after that in London, but you know, that to me, that wasn't the last gig. That was just the next gig. <laughs> did you feel like to like sandwich everything in between those two shows? And I guess obviously not disrespecting the London show, but sandwiching your sort of whole career as a band in that. Uh, between those two shows did they feel, but they felt exactly the same really didn't they going back to like how they made you feel yeah i think so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just a place that we've grown up with so yeah we we like hold it close it's i don't know i've said it many, many times already it's just a really great place <laughs> yeah i feel like there's a lot of people that hopefully a lot of people listening as well that to have a lot of venues in their area that they feel exactly the same thing about and it's you know it's nice that it's been a thing for a while as well because i know obviously you see you know videos and posters of like the who playing leeds university for example and you know people don't really remember those sort of things but when you're at the smaller venues you know 200 300 400 cap that give people opportunities and stuff people need to really like keep hold of them and, and look after them for, for what they are because then you know you you grow up as a musician around other musicians and and you know getting the best out of that by putting the best into it i guess yeah we had like a really vibrant scene like at that time when we were still going there was loads of really good bands uh, all, around, all around doing, you know, getting right out there and doing some good shows and stuff like we had. Um, I mean, we kind of the tail end of Vex Red is when we were like starting to do stuff. And then, of course, you had Ruben, uh, Foe as well. They were starting to do amazing. Um, who else? There's loads of bands. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, we're like, it's a ridiculous scene, really, because... Like I thought it was kind of normal, and then like looking back, I'm like, whoa, we had so many cool bands. Like this... all the whole like Shield Your Eyes, that whole scene, Meet Me in St. Louis before that, Push to Fire before that, even like huge like huge influences on on me and like everyone else in the scene because they were just like fucking good bands, and they all got out the scene and kind of then you yeah. think, well, they can do it, I can do it, you know. Well, that's but everyone like... each other on. There's there's loads of bands every once in a while there'll be a pocket of bands coming from different parts of the country like Leeds has had it you know around sort of 2010 2012 obviously around Merthyr when you have like Funeral for a Friend and bands like that as well there'd be yeah. all these bands that are on everybody's radar and then everyone realizes they're from within the same sort of 15 mile radius and mm-hmm. they're all good friends and now they're at, you know top of the charts or top of the festival list and stuff so I think you must you guys were around at that right time for all those bands yeah. as well there's yeah. a there's a there's a band or a couple of bands that I'm going to talk about later on, I guess, as well from from Fleet, the town where I grew up, like mm-hmm. down the road from Aldershot, that were massively important too. So when when it came to like recording and things, I know you said you did a lot of demos, but I reading obviously back in the past, you had you were signed to Big Scary Monsters, which is obviously a label that, that's still going and a label that I'm, I'm a big fan of. I don't know you guys are probably still friends with a lot of bands or, or artists that are either still involved or have been involved with them. How did that sort of come around? Well, um, we did like our first EP, which we funded ourselves. And we met this guy um, called, called Gordon Mills. Um, I'd previously recorded him with him with another band, my friend's band, mm-hmm. um, and just kept in touch with him. And I, this guy's like... <laughs> he's a character. He's a real character. He's amazing. Like he's one of the nicest guys. And he'll you know, he'd do anything for you and anyone else. 
um and his, his dad was really famous as a producer and stuff like that but he had this like ratty shared garage that was tiny you could barely get a drum kit in it and then we we're all crammed in this other little room watching him around his mac from you know 2004 the one with all the color on the back yeah exactly um and then yeah we were, i introduced robin to him and i was like we need to go and record with this guy gordon because he's amazing like his stuff <laughs> everything looks shit like his, his whole setup looks shit but trust me it's really good <laughs> he's the went, man he really is yeah. like he's so good at his job um and he's got a real ear like some some producers you'll get with they they don't get they can they can hear it and how they want it to sound but they can't hear it as a song if that makes yeah. sense yeah 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 and he really can do that so he'd sort of help us out with stuff the best thing is like the we'd had this live room with him um and when you're playing drums you could just see his head like above just over the desk so they imagine if there's a wall like that going across and you could just see the top of his head and I'd be playing along and then every now and again he'd just do this and just shake his head <laughs> and I'd be like start again <laughs> which uh yes. see you had quite a bit of sort of radio play before the, the big scary because that was 2010 wasn't it if I'm looking at my timeline right um yeah you had quite a lot of radio play sort of 2008 2009 that sort of time like Hugh Stevens and and uh, John Kennedy jumping on it. How, how was that to sort of hear your music on the radio? If you listen to the radio, obviously, because uh, I guess that it's was... one of those things you get told you're on it and you might miss it as it comes. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was the, I guess that was Christopher Walken, song Christopher Walken yeah. that we did. Yeah. We recorded with Gordon. Uh, and yeah, that must have been, what? When did we record that then? Like 2009, I think. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I can hear a cricket. Yeah, can you hear crickets? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> sorry, that's amazing. It's a little bit of ambience going on. I told you about the ants climbing up my legs. I've got all sorts of insects. Around. <laughs> Don't turn on the light because you'll just attract everything, I feel. Yeah, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a, yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of our stuff was down to, to Penny because when Penny came on board, he was like really good, at, like hustling for gigs and really proactive at posting stuff out and getting the, the admin guy. He was so good at it. Like he just like, <laughs> Out of nowhere, yeah. just started doing all this stuff. We're like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, he, went along he did with it. actually have a real talent for that. And um, in terms of booking gigs, he was an absolute machine. Um, also, I want to shout out him because he's not obviously recording with us because he's mad busy. He's got a, a young, young baby and he's moving house as well. So, oh. yeah, he's not really got the time slash energy to be on a podcast but yeah, uh, we love well. congratulations to him and we will have him we will have him on at some point and no doubt we'll we can do this three or four times i guess uh oh God. all the stories that people have got. <laughs> we'll try we'll see what we can do just try not to be on holiday next time i don't want to interrupt your holiday but yeah just going back to like uh, the sort of radio playing stuff what was that strange hearing yourselves on the radio or, or being i guess like i said being told that you were on it and then having to maybe try and listen back or catch it when it was on there or was it something you were quite aware of i wasn't aware of it the first time i heard that we were on the radio i got a phone call from a friend of ours called John Petty, who was in another local band. And it was like half 12 at night. And obviously with that age, you're kind of up really late anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't unusual. But he phoned me up and he went, get, get Radio 1 on, get Radio 1 on. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you've just been played on the radio. I was like, <laughs> you are. And um, I think it was like Zane Lowe or something at that time. I can't remember. It was really like when he wasn't, uh, you know, sort of prime time or anything like that. He was doing like a later show or something yeah. like that. It's crazy, but yeah, you, it was really you cool. automatically paying, uh, spending that that BBC check as it came through. Yeah, <laughs> Radio like One A list, all twenty five yeah. quid of it or something. 
I uh, I loved hearing I loved hearing it on the radio. It's really like special thing because yeah, it's a novelty experience. I'm sure if you did it a lot, you would get used to it. But um, yeah, like especially in the in the beginning, it was like oh wow, it's pretty cool. <laughs> nice springboard, <laughs> like, I guess. For like if if people, I was best then you were saying sharing music with MySpace and stuff. And I know sort of MySpace was the thing to do when it came to sharing music. But if you were heard on the radio, then I think a lot of people did really did listen to the radio then because they listened to like what Zane Lowe had to say about bands and they listened to what Steve Lamack has to say about bands and they tune yeah. in to discover those new bands. It's not quite like now where you can just go on Spotify and it's just vomited at you and you go, yeah, cool. There's 27 new bands released this week. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like I, I remember it happened and then like the next day there was people commenting on like our MySpace page. Oh, I heard this last night. It's really good. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like that's what you've always wanted to do is be in a band and have someone else from a different part of the country hear your song and go, that's pretty cool. <laughs> did we have a MySpace page though? I don't think we did. We did. Yeah. Was it a Facebook it's page? Still, it's still listed. No, it's, it was um, MySpace, but, but we, we never made like any real use of it because we were kind of... We were at the tail end. Just before social media was like properly kicking off. Like this is before Instagram and MySpace. It was at the end of MySpace really. Yeah. Facebook, you couldn't really put music on. We had a Facebook page, I think. Oh, no, we still do. But... um again like you couldn't do much with it so there's no point in me asking me who your top top four friends were on myspace then we just just <laughs> towards the end of that i have no idea there's tom from myspace and then three Obviously. other people i <laughs> think what we actually did was that all you could do is link to something else where we had the music on Bandcamp or something yeah. like that i can't remember penny did that he was good at that as well <laughs> yeah all, all the admin yeah <laughs> i'll have to check on it it's got it on your on your you have a wikipedia page believe it or not if you don't go there and update it as often as you can um, but yeah, it's it's linked to the MySpace page is linked at the bottom there. I might I'll have a click. Hey, and, and yeah, let's click on that. See what happens. <laughs> let's see what's happening. Oh, because doesn't Justin Timberlake own MySpace or something like that now? I don't know. Idea. They tried to relaunch it, didn't they, or something stupid? Yeah, like, that. like a uh, just like a. I think it was mainly aimed at being like a music streaming site. But yeah, no, it's still got still got music on there. It's still got pictures. It's still got all sorts of stuff going on. You have to check it. Start, get updated. Try and remember what the login password is. Oh man. <laughs> That they're having uh, so many issues with login stuff. Like we've lost, say, our you show up video doesn't exist on YouTube anymore because there's a company called uh, is it Orchard Music or something? Am I right? Yeah, it's a huge scam. It's a huge they scam claim, that's kind of run by YouTube. Yeah. What they're saying they that like you don't claim, own music anymore. Yeah, exactly. They claim ownership of stuff that's that's on there for I don't know. It must be a certain time frame. And then if you so don't now, contest it in time, they say they own it. So now they own it. They took the video down and we can't get it back. And even oh. YouTube are like, you can't have it. We're like, but we fucking yeah. made it. <laughs> and the guy, the guy, John Petty, um, who Rouse mentioned earlier, he, the guy, he actually filmed it for us and he can't, he can't find it on his, on his hard drives or something. Yeah. Oh, so you have no point of a legal battle against YouTube, but then, is it? No. And then I, I, I was like, oh shit, we really do need to find that because it's like a really good memory if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Penny suggested the like internet archive page. Time machine thing. Yeah. yeah oh, so, so you, you can like pick a date when it, um, yeah, it was available. Managed yeah, managed to get like, well, I found, the, I found the actual link to it, but then the link didn't have a video on it because it was like, this is unavailable. <clears throat> but then I put that link into the time machine thing and then I managed to get like a 360p shit version of nice, it like which VCR is better than style. nothing yeah yeah it's like yeah like an ipod touch version 
I'm just having a, a quick scroll through the pictures on your MySpace page. There's a fantastic picture of uh, both of you with Ian from uh, Billy Talent. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that was that was because of um, my touring days with Ruben. Like they talked about it anyway, but you know we got offered to go on tour with Billy Talent, and they just were like the nicest dudes in the whole world. They said they were the opposite of some forty-one, which was quite heartbreaking, but then also not very surprising <laughs> from why. Uh, from what also totally true. Yeah. <laughs> um, like they were so nice like on the on the first tour with them they found out that I was a mega fan and they were like come and play drums with us in one of our songs and I was like sorry what um, <laughs> and that's yeah the same tour I'd actually I played one of the songs with Ruben at the Astoria which was like amazing mm. um, but uh, yeah they saw me do that and they said oh, come and play one with us and I was like yeah, okay <laughs> um, but then uh yeah, that's like so that, cool. For that tour, it couldn't happen for whatever reason. Something happened, I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, so I was like, "Oh man, I've missed out on that opportunity." But then they offered us another tour again. This is still with Ruben, and uh, they said, "We're still going to get you play a song." And I was like, "All right." And um, it was like it was cut the curtains, which I've I know that song inside out. But when it came to doing it in like they said, "Come and do like the the sound check with us," and when it came to playing it in sound check. I couldn't do it. I couldn't hit like the, <laughs> the very first hit comes in really obviously, but in my head, I'd somehow just put it at the wrong point. So I kept coming in wrong and making myself look like an absolute amateur. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, I fucked it. Like this is never going to happen. And then I went away like later that day and I just sort of listened to the song a few times and all of a sudden it clicked and I went back to Ian. I was like, Ian, Ian, I've got it. I've got it. He was like, <laughs> okay, go on then and <laughs> played the song. And then it was like, fine. But yeah, got to play that with them. And it was like the coolest thing ever. Like, who does that? Like, you're just the tech for another band. And they're like, come and play a song with us. Like, nobody does that. That shows that shows a lot about their their mentality and their attitude to other musicians. And that's fantastic. Like, that's like that's even deeper than what uh, Guy and John were talking about as well. That's a proper, like, they're real people as well as good yeah. musicians. And, 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 they've, and all that. they've stayed in touch ever since. So, like, whenever they're in the UK, they're like, hey, come and watch this player show. And, like, we'll get you on the guest list and stuff. Amazing. Um, and me and Robin went to see them. Where did they play? The, the Underworld, wasn't it? It's a tiny show or something like that. Can't remember. Um, nice. But yeah, and then you ended up driving for some band at Reading and Leeds Festival. And you, I remember you saying, like, you just walked, you'd met Ian for like, I don't know, 10 minutes? Five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you walked past him at Reading Festival and you went, hey, Robin. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh that shit, that's Billy Talent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say hi. I'm not going to bother them. You know, I'll just, I'm here doing something else. And then, yeah, uh, Ian, who's like one of my guitar heroes, was just like, oh, hey, hey, man. Like, do you want to come hang out? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. sure. Like, <laughs> like, it's so nice, like, for them to have that, you know, they don't realise that, like, that's the, that's something quite special for. for... It's because they're Canadian, isn't it? Yeah, someone else. It, yeah, it's it must cool. be. They I've got are, ju just got to like mention I found a picture place. on your MySpace page and the caption is filthy filthy Chris Rouse at Sausage Fest 5. Yeah, and, uh, Sausage Fest. I need to I'm going to set that as my desktop background. It's quite the goatee you've got there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I, no, I, I know. I that. remember that was a fancy dress beard. <laughs> yeah, fact, I did I did I saved the Jeff, do you remember? Yeah. Is that what it's called, the Jeff? Yeah, it's called the Jeff. Do you ever remember Biker Grove? Yeah. So on Biker Grove, there was Jeff who ran the place and he had this kind of beard. Sorry, the dog's kicking off and Steffi's back. Hello. Um, 
But yeah, the uh, he had this kind of beard, but then he shaved the bit from his bottom, his bottom lip down and down his neck. So that whole bit was clean. And that's called the Jeff. Nice. I've saved it on my computer now. I'm going to use it for all sorts of memes. Feel so, free. Yeah. Good. But um, yeah, Sausage so- Fest is an amazing thing. Sorry, we should definitely mention that. Um, saying about our local music scene, um, we had this place in Fleet called... The Lynx Pub. You can talk about yeah. it because it's Fleet. Yeah, Link, the Lynx Pub next to the train station in Fleet. Uh, for some reason, the owner was just cool enough to like let some local youth people like band people put on an absolute fucking crazy music festival once a year just like the loudest thing you can imagine with like the heaviest local bands and just everyone was just absolutely wrecked from like, like noon the purge, onwards like the musical purge just let him yeah. do it for one day and then... it was incredible it's like it was kind of it was like a bizarre like out of place experience because it was just full send and it was normally on a Sunday, I think it was. It was wild. They did it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they did it for years. Um, like everyone just brought a load of kit along. We all shared it, played whatever you had, that kind of yeah. thing. It was wicked. Just in, in the beer garden, just mayhem. And like everyone was involved. So it was like, yeah, a bunch of the local bands like helped put it on, like Angry Boy and uh, and Matt Cargill and a few others. And then we had this, this uh, T-shirt business also in Fleet. Uh, which is called Monster Press now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guys there would do like a special t-shirt design each year. And then that would be like a sort of like a, uh, like a souvenir for everyone. And yeah. the designs were insane. I think like it was a badge of honor as well. If you played that and then you got your name on this t-shirt as well, you're like, yeah, I fucking did sausage fest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like having a Reading and Leeds t-shirt and all the stuff on the back. Yeah, like, it was great. Looking for your band on the <laughs> Oh, also, yeah. Sausage Fest, by the way, in case it's not obvious, was because it's also a barbecue. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's loud music and a barbecue. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about Ian from uh, Billy Talent being your guitar hero, which sort of makes me have to ask about your guitar setup because you did say you want to mention it, and I would really like you to mention it if that's okay. Do you like that little little slide in the mention mm, again? Very that was, that was smooth. smooth. Thanks, man. I know it's sort of shit now. I've pointed out, but we're gonna run with it. Um, but yeah, so how did the the whole dual input, like, how did that start for stars? And then you you go off on one because I know there are there are a lot of guitarists that listen to this. I let Alexi go off on about his guitars as well. So yeah, please feel free. Well, how long have you got? As long as you want, because <laughs> I might just record this and keep this for myself. So, well, basically, uh, so the band I was in, the sketch outfit when I met Chris Rouse, that. My guitar setup for that was just um, my first guitar, which is a Squire Strat um, into a Marshall. But the way that I had that set up was completely inspired by, ripped off from uh, Alex Peterson, who is an awesome guitarist and really interesting dude that um, I've been friends with for many years now. His band, when I was in that band, his band was called The Robot Versus. And I was just like in awe of his guitar sound and just the way they played because, yeah, it was just something really different and really inspired me. And I was like, hey, he's playing uh, a Strat into a Marshall and it sounds fucking awesome. Why? And can I make that sound? Because I've got a Strat and a Marshall. Um, So I basically, I was like, just, I wanted to sound like him straight up. So I modified my guitar and just 
took the other pickups out and just went with the neck pickup because I'm pretty sure that's what he was using. And I had this, I've still got this amazing uh, 1970s JMP 2204 um, and just put it on bright and crunchy as fuck and then you get this and it's so such a percussive sounding amp like when you the way that i was playing was kind of like pretty pretty aggressive with the right hand mm. and then the the neck pickup gives you this sort of chimey sort of harmonic edge to it as well so that was the setup i had and i really loved it and then when i met rouse and i started thinking about trying to make the guitar like a bit beefier for sort of heavier riffs it wasn't immediately, but I, I was like, I still want that sound, but I know that I should probably have something that's got a bit more kind of, a bit more brute to it. Yeah. I can't remember what I've, the first setup was, but basically I ended up thinking, what if I just had one, what if I kept that sound from that pickup going into the Marshall? And then I also had a humbucker at the bridge going to another amp with like some sort of like low end gain going on. It just kind of evolved naturally because I knew I wanted to play heavier riffs, but I still wanted to keep that like bright clarity of the Marshall. And I really like the sort of chimey harmonic sound. Uh, so yeah, I, I did one guitar where I set it up like that without a volume control or anything, just pick up output, pick up output. And I had this, um, I had a PV valve King <laughs> set up. And then I had the Marshall that I'd, uh, that I also had going into the same cab as the PV. Um, and I'd split, I'd rewired the cab to split the speakers left and right. So then I had, yeah, one guitar, two cables, two tuners, so I could mute each one as I wanted and stay in tune. Then the cables go into the amps and then two cables going into the same cab. And all the sound guys were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why do you want me to mic up your cab twice? I was like, because there's an amp going on this side, an amp going on this side. And they're like, what? And like, sometimes it was like, they were being all stubborn and didn't want to do it. <laughs> and you're like, well, this is the point. This is my sound. Like, Yeah, yeah. They, well, eventually we got there. And then um, that guitar was a bit shit. I got it from my mate Paddy, who was in our, who's in our, uh, our WhatsApp group and playlist club. Um, I got it, got it off him for a, uh, for a Chinese mixed hors d'oeuvre and 20 quid. Nice. Um, wow. Bargain. Yeah. Not a bad guitar actually, but then Rouse had another um, strat knocking around that seemed to be a bit better quality. So he donated that to the cause. And then I set that one up a bit better um, and got a scratch plate cut so that it was all like super clean. And then, then I, yeah, then I got a bit tired of the valve King cause it had too many options and I didn't want like, I just wanted a simple, loud, I'm a fan of complicated things by the sounds of it. <laughs> well, I was just like, I just want this sound from this amp. I want the amp to do the sound. Mm -hmm. And then I want the other amp to do the other sound. So I ended up changing my Marshall, getting, well, I still got the, the old one, but I bought a JCM 900 high gain 50 watt head nice. and the Marshall 1936 cab. And then I got a Laney GH50L and the, late, the matching like Laney 2x12 cab. And I put them in a fuck off tower and I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> now no one can be confused and it sounds better and the guitar's better. And yeah, that was the Hold Your Horses guitar sound, just like bright Marshall single coil neck pickup and then like the dirty tower low tower. end. Yeah. <laughs> so 
that was it really. So especially uh, like A B A B out guitar, but you were the Y because you were switching it on and off. Well, yeah. So uh, yeah, I had two tuners, um, which confused everyone. They were like, mostly guitarists were like, "What? Why would you ever need two tuners?" And they just didn't really understand what I was trying to do. Did you go and, just listen? You'll be fine. No, You'll get it. Well, right. it became a sort of running joke of the band that we would say, "Well, I'm twice as in tune as you are." <laughs> <laughs> nice. The different, so, like the amount of different setups you had of that, though. Like, I'm not sure you remember just how many iterations this went through. Like, you've made it sound dead straightforward. Yeah, at the beginning but there were so a lot many of changes. Yeah, like there was even like borrowing cabs because we didn't have cabs or whatever. We did one tour where we had like two massive four by twelve cabs, didn't we? And your two heads. Yeah. And like that just looked ridiculous when you're on a small stage. It looked like we're trying to be in the darkness or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine in your like in your gig bag, it's it's just a couple of soldering irons and, and nothing else. You're just ready to like, oh, can I borrow your cab? And you're just behind it, just rewiring <laughs> someone's cab. I'll get it fixed yeah. for the next. It's fine. <laughs> no, for a while it was a bit like, yeah, it took a little while to find its feet. I will admit that. And I did take a soldering iron with us to all the shows. <laughs> um, but I also used to beat the shit out of my guitar. So sometimes like something would go wrong and I'd have to change the pickup or like, yeah. Also just mending leads was like a big thing for us because uh, we didn't ever have a lot of money as a band. So um, yeah, quite yeah, often I was like- Quite literally DIY, you, you're doing yourself a favour. Yeah, our yeah, stuff yeah. was all like, our stuff was so ratty and just, always, I, like, I always played with like broken cymbals or whatever. And then- That's because you often, broke cymbals all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and they were they're so expensive. Um, but I ended <laughs> up playing with like- yeah, right. Playing with the sticks the wrong way round because it meant they lasted a bit longer. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. It's why twice as thick at one end, the twice as loud. But it was just, it was so annoying. Like, we, and also because we were stupid and young, we'd like smash our kit up a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and then like, yeah. oh shit, we're playing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened a lot. Far Did all that much. come into um, the recording stuff? I know you said like, you, it seems to be a running thing where you kind of get the best out of like, not necessarily the best stuff. And I mean that with all due respect, obviously, like you were saying, you went to work with, um, I've already forgotten his name because I'm terrible with names. Gordon Mills. Yeah, uh, Gordon. Um, and saying like, yeah, his equipment didn't look the best or it necessarily wasn't the best, but you got the best out of it. And it's oh, dude, he, he wanted. He would get a better result out of his tangled up wires and like mess of equipment than well, someone with a brand new studio setup because he knows his equipment like the back of his hand. So yeah. he just like, yeah. He relies on it in his own way. For a recording the... studio, I don't think he had a single working microphone stand. <laughs> yeah. Everything was like gaffer taped on or held on with nice. zip ties or balanced at one point. I remember that. Yeah. Class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did that sort of, so did that that go into your, your guitar stuff? In there? Did that go into recording then saying like, right, how do we botch together the sound that we want? Because you've got it in your head. Or was it sort of like I said, go work with Gordon and Gordon knows what you wanted. Um, or did you sort of try again loads of iterations of amps and drum kits and and different vocal stuff or was it like right straightforward let's get it done no it was pretty it was pretty straightforward like i always saw it as quite a it's quite a simple setup really it's a three-piece band the drummer plays really loud uh the guitar has like two amps to make it sound like two guitars really because my guitar parts as well i would always try and like add stuff in the top end that would come through a lot more in the Marshall. And then like, obviously the bottom strings are playing in drop D. So like bottom three strings would be like really pushed through the laney to kind of, you'd end up with this like rich 
both ends of the spectrum, from, yeah. Yeah, from one guitar, that was always the idea. And then the bass would just get like a really nice rock bass sound. Like Penny played like pretty jangly jazz or P bass, depending. Um, his amp was always broken though. That was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, no, in terms of like finding the sound, it was never like that. Like Gordon listened to our demos and he was like, you guys sound wicked. Like I totally understand like what you're, what you're about and he didn't try and change a thing and honestly he was just like it sounds cool <laughs> class uh, yeah, my did, vocals did... changed a little bit over the years i think at the beginning when i listened when i listened to like the early stuff and then listened to the later stuff uh, yeah vocals definitely changed along the way i think the guitar was basically the same when i found that sound then i was like right i'm happy with that yeah. don't need any effects i'm just going to play guitar into the amp that's fine did you literally Last. have no, no effects pedals? Do you, you Nothing. Just, just two tuners. gain on the amp, like, two tuners. <laughs> Honestly, it's just, yeah, it's just that I didn't really feel the need with the songs that we're playing. Um, on on the album, there might be, like, no, there's no there's no effects on the guitar. No, there, there's, like, there's only my cheap guitar that Rouse gave me that I modified and modified and modified. And then there's a 12-string Rickenbacker on um, one of the songs on the album, and I think that's it. I think like we always used to stick to the idea of like if you can't do it live, don't put it on record. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's like, a lot of bands, bands I think should try that, and do that. I think it was. I, I think like, I got that idea mainly from. Um, oh no, what's Kahir's band called? Fighting with wire. No, Fight, before fight, fighting with wire. Yeah, fighting with wire. Yeah, like I saw them. Landing. Yeah, fighting with wire. So I saw them live. So Kahir's the guitarist in that band, and he also plays in Jet Plane Landing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I saw them live and I was like, these guys are fucking amazing. And he can get the coolest sound out of a guitar. And then somehow they've managed to put that on record as well, which is very hard to do for a band that sounds like that. Yeah. And like they had the energy, it had the kind of sound. And that was like, yeah, I want to be like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think if we were like a bigger band and we had more, like, if, you know, you, you see, I'm a big fan of Mastodon and I was watching one of their like studio diaries and they say in that like oh we just do whatever the hell we think is cool in the studio and then afterwards we figure out how to do it live yeah but that the scale of that band is obviously massively different they yeah they've got have time and stuff to do it time and they're professional musicians and they've got like support and they can come up with ways to do that make that into a stage show or whatever but for us so it's you, uh, just like make a racket and then make a racket you wouldn't be Nick Reinhardt in that um, video when they put 11, is it 100 guitar pedals together in a <laughs> one room and see what it sounds like. But you can yeah. imagine what it sounds like. It sounds like trash. But the concept yeah. is nice, though. Like... I'm not against effects. Like, uh, mm. I do play with, yeah, some, some pedals, like, just fun. But with Hold Your Horses, it was just, like, the simplest possible, really. Like said, yeah, if you can't do it live, what's the point in, in trying to do it? I guess then you can, someone can listen to you on, on a record and then be like, that's exactly what I'm going to get when I go sim live, but probably four times louder. Mm. I mean, the sketch and like four times worse played. Was <laughs> <laughs> it not after, not after the sketch outfit, but you were doing a couple of solo bits and you were using a loop pedal and things like that? I used to like using delay. Getting really good uh, at that. Oh, yeah, I like using delay, but that's kind of it really. And then I've been in other bands where I've used like a load of different stuff. I was in the, I was kind of a session musician for a little while and I was playing with like chorus and uh like so yeah a bit of reverb and stuff i don't know i'm not against pedals i just yeah for hold your horses well, it said, had you to be down find it and stick with it no, no i'm totally for that I, I try and say i want loads of guitar pedals and make guitar sound like this and then i start putting it all together and go it's just not fucking worth it and then yeah. just go straight into the amp and go that that's exactly that's what the amp was designed for and that's what the guitar is designed for who needs a 
a couple of bits of metal in between them, right? Yeah, I think I think the amp is is the the star of the show. Like I've always thought that. Like so, we said that our gear was sketchy. We had no money. I spent ninety nine percent of my money on amps. <laughs> so I invested in like decent amps and then looked after them, had them serviced, had them like all nice, kept them in flight cases. The guitar I treated like shit, and then everything else. You was kept them in whatever. flight cases after I hashed at you for doing that. I was like, you've <laughs> got to put them in flight cases because you keep fucking them up. Because Robin yeah. used to like occasionally work for me at my old job. Hmm. Uh, I used to work at this company called Vans for Bands, and we'd supply like tour buses for bands, obviously. Hmm. Um, but Robin would come and drive for us and stuff, and he'd be like, Oh, I need a bit of money. Can can you get me some work? I'm like, yeah, sure. Goes out, does a weekend's worth of work, gets up fair amount of money and i think well that will last you a month literally like, one day morning is like i bought a new hand <laughs> i've got no money oh yeah <laughs> no, that, was a, that was a useful job because well. yeah cameras and cameras and amps because like i would be thinking oh i really want to get that jcm 900 uh i don't know where where i can find one obviously it's quite a tricky thing to post so it's like good if you can like find one on ebay and then pick it up and then it's like, oh, there's one in Bristol. All right, sweet. Hey, Rouse, have you got any jobs going to Bristol next week? <laughs> Free taxi driver. So get paid to taxi drive yourself there. That's class. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just, just briefly, Chris, Chris mentioned, obviously, your new, your new vice is, is photography and stuff. You do a lot of sort of BMX photography and stuff. So I, I follow you on Instagram. I'm a um, huge fan nice. of uh, cool. <laughs> pretty much every image that you put up. I look at it and go, that's just mental. I think there was a, a picture nice. I saw today, a guy doing a tail whip down a double set somewhere and well, yeah, just you are blown away. That's so. Uh, that's weird to go from talking about ancient history of hold your horses to what I put on Instagram yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so no, oh yeah, I was scrolling through <laughs> work. And I was like, oh, I'm talking to Robin Lay. I'm gonna like. I always like seeing whenever they pop up. Like, so I used to read like Ride magazine and things when I was a kid. So it takes nice. me back to that and like sidewalk, and it takes me back to all that every time I see them, see them pop up. Because I think that's kind of like I'm going on a bit of a tangent now, but it's almost kind of like. A lost art when it comes to magazine photography like that because obviously instagram's quite easy for you to, to put stuff up but i bet having yeah. something a double page spread in in ride magazine or whatever the equivalent of right is ride magazine still a thing now or am i <laughs> yeah dude, I'm, now? I'm the editor of ride and we just Class, published, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we just published um, our first print issue in six years nice so i'm glad so that, that yeah i'm glad i didn't get completely <laughs> wrong then i knew i knew it was a thing yeah, no, that's class, like, it yeah. off. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I would just like about to. to. I'm a little Grebo at heart. I used to read all sorts of skateboarding and, and BMX magazines and things. So, you know, nice. it's, it's, it's lovely to see it still. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that was actually going on at the same time as Hold Your Horses. Um, I was always trying to like do both at the same time. So, we, I was at uni and like I remember missing my freshers week in inverted commas. It was, I don't think I missed anything um, because we had a Hold Your Horses tour. And then there'd be like gigs coming up and I'd be like, oh, I can't do it. I'm on a BMX trip. Like, yeah, hand in hand through, uh, through those years. Nice. Well, um, let's, let's talk about some bands then, I guess we've got along the way. Are there any bands that you sort of want to name drop over the sort of, let's just say full stop bands that you listen to, bands that you played with, bands that you've friends of friends with and everything. Is there anyone that sort of has, uh, has kept you going over the past, you know, 15 years or so? I mean, we said it already, but I wanted to say about Riddler Steel because during the first lockdown, I happened to message the guitarist on his Instagram saying, I've been trying to work out one of these songs that he'd written, like this riff. I was trying to work it out for years. I, I was as well. Couldn't, and I, couldn't, I couldn't get it. Like, Robin can get it right. I can get it right. I sent it to other friends that are like incredible guitarists. I was like, work this out for me. They're like, no, I can't do it. It doesn't make sense. 
So I sent him a message saying, hey man, I love this song. I can't work it out on guitar. I really want to work it out. Obviously they're, they're like quite small. So there's no, you know, how to play this song. Tabs right? and stuff on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. none of that. Um, and he wrote back like that day um, and he said, um, oh yeah, sure, man. Like here's the tuning for it. I'll, I'll send you a video later on. And then he went, oh, you're in Hold Your Horses. I was like, I've, <laughs> I've heard of you guys. I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> um, and like he'd... Uh, He'd heard us like years ago because he'd come over with Meet Me in St. Louis hmm. um, and somehow we'd come up in conversation. Oh, I can't remember how it happened, but yeah, he'd like then we were chatting for the whole of the day just about music and stuff like that. And then he sent me like a, a video of how to play this song and stuff. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. Like, even though, you know, they're not a big band, just to take the time out of your day and to do something like that, like that's that's amazing yeah i love that yeah but yeah they're so good everyone needs to listen to them and if they think they're rubbish then they're wrong <laughs> <laughs> there we go let's sure just end it there sure <laughs> they are awesome and then he didn't he go on to play in torch yeah that's right yeah and nice. then the drummer also played in train dodge which are a really cool band as well so torture like along the lines of sort of heavy red fang sort of vibe yeah, yeah. he's not yeah. in them anymore but i think he was in them for a few years Anyone else? Yeah. Over, is there anyone sort of over the last couple of years? Let's let's not necessarily talk about bands that aren't together, but any bands that have been popping up that you listen to and you think, hang on, there's something good going on there. I mean, there's like the obvious ones that we just talk about all the time. Like Paddy basically only talks about two bands, three <laughs> bands actually, and it's um, Black Peaks, yeah, The Bronx, and Every Time I Die. And anything out of that, I don't think really exists for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Black Peaks, like they're worth mentioning because they've just called it a day, haven't they? Yeah. They, they yeah, are one of the best um, acts I've ever seen, like ever. I think I saw them about half a dozen times and each time they just leveled up and leveled up and leveled up. And sometimes, you know, when you, you see a band, you go, there's no way they can get better. And then all of a sudden they do and you're like, they need to slow down. Like Joe's guitar on like every single riff on that first Black Peaks record. Unreal. It's ridiculous. I remember speaking to him at the, um, there was a Heck and Black Peaks tour a few years back. Um, and they were like swapping who was headlining. I think Heck headlined that day. Um, so the crowd for Black Peaks, it wasn't wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be because they were on quite early. So it's just the two bands. And we were saying to him afterwards, we're like, you are aware that you're like the best guitarist in this scene right now because there's literally no one who, who can touch you. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. And you can see him being like, that guy was weird. And I'm like, dude, like, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> unreal. Yeah, like, I don't think I even had a pint by then. It wasn't even like the booze talk. I was like, you have to know this. Like, you are fucking sick. And I'm very, very sad that they've, they've split up. But yeah, what I'm, I'm sure that, like, he and the others will do other cool projects, though. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think they're also like involved because they've been trying to carry on. I know Will had his his medical issues. I think he had infection in his throat or something like that for the past few years, and that sort of held him back. And they always pushed and pushed and pushed. But there's no doubt in my mind that they'll go on to to play in other bands and things. I, I think actually the bass player used to be in Saint Pierre Snake Invasion as well. So there's already that like tied in with the scene, sort of going from band to band. So I really hope to hear them in in other acts as well soon. Yeah, their guitarist, is, uh, their guitarist is a big fan of Robin's double setup because we had <laughs> uh, we had another band. Well, you still have another band technically called Socrates. Yeah, uh, and that's got um, John from Ruben in it and our friend Toby, who's like a local legend, really. Um, and 
all round nicest guy you've ever met. <laughs> he's but, a bluesy yeah. hound. He's a blues hound. He loves his blues. Like, nice. yeah. if it's not blues, he ain't playing it. Um, <laughs> but somehow we managed to get him to play in a band with us. And no joke, out of all the 10 practices we ever had, he turned up with a different guitar and amp every time. <laughs> it's an ongoing joke now. He just like, always has a different guitar. Yeah. Actually, a lot of my um, a lot of my connection with music day to day and guitar stuff is I talk to Toby every day. Uh, my wife is like, oh, my God, are you talking to Toby again? What the hell? <laughs> uh, like late at night, early in the morning, like we're talking about guitars. And yeah, he's kind of like a wheeler dealer with guitars. He like finds one that's listed wrongly on eBay and like snaps it up for a good deal. And then he like tidies it up and gives it a little setup and new, new strings and stuff. And then he'll sell it for a little profit. And then he's like, oh, I've got some more fun money. And then like, <laughs> invest it in an, another guitar that he really wants. And it's quite I cool. I swear he found one. I swear he found one once that someone had said it was like the cheap version of the guitar. And he looked at it and went, no, it's the good version of the guitar. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, that, that band was fun. Like we took, technically we still exist. And every year we're like, yeah, we're going to play some gigs and do some recording. And then we never do. So but I'm, I mean, I'm writing a lot of stuff. Like I'm making demos and keeping the dream alive for so crates. We've basically got nearly an album's worth of stuff that we've never rehearsed or recorded. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe one day. Um, maybe maybe 20... Chris will uh, bring a riff in and you can yeah. put a whole record base around a Chris Rouse riff. Nah, man, when, you, when, you've got, when you've got Toby and Robin playing in a band, like there's, there's, there's enough cooking there. <laughs> but anyway, the link there was that we played a Socrates show uh, with Black Peaks at the Westie. Um, but we yeah. didn't actually play... No, it was Westival. We were on early there or on late and we had to leave or something. But uh, we we chatted and and uh, gave each other fist bumps. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I, I, I just got me thinking about Black Peaks. Now. Are there any other bands that sort of around that scene? Um, let, let's sort of try and talk like 2010, 2012. What, what sort of Big Scary Monsters bands were you guys? Were you got like Pally with a lot of them or was it just like a... Yeah, it was a really cool scene actually. It was nice that we were like involved in it. Like... Um, and you and I guys became like yeah. pretty good mates because we just saw them everywhere like that was the cool thing even if you the only connection is that you play shows together if it happens enough times then you kind of become mates <laughs> I absolutely um, adore those guys um, yeah I've got they're like awesome. three or four I've put them on I think I've got them out of retirement four times because uh, they would always <laughs> say that they're they're never playing any shows and I would text Tom or, or Wiz we're like oh I'm doing a, a Christmas show at the flapper and Wizard were like, okay. And then they'd come out and do it. And I remember one uh, Halloween show we did. And it's at the Flapper used to do. I don't I know Chris has been to the Flapper. I don't know if you did you you guys you must have played the Flapper as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did yeah. Play the yeah, yeah. We played um, the off the cuff thing. Off the cuff festival, yeah. Um Isn't that with we, an, uh, not with you and I though, it was with um Adabisi Shank. Adabisi, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So Sammy at the Flapper would, would, would have done a lot of that uh, going off in there. But yeah, I remember the Halloween gig with Andrew and I. And it was, the flapper used to do an absolutely amazing fancy dress Halloween night. It was it was huge. <laughs> they have like three three hundred and fifty people turning up, and uh, we had Anu and I headline a free gig downstairs. And um, Tom turned up dressed as uh, Sean from Sean the Dead because he'd just come from work. He could wear his white shirt and a red tie. Happy days. Uh, Rich just painted his face, and then Wiz, stone cold sober, just asked me if it was okay if he took his shirt off and started to cut himself on stage. And I was like please don't do that because I haven't filled out a risk assessment <laughs> for this. 
But yeah, those boys family are, show, man. Yeah, those those boys are like honestly, them from Blackfish to them doing to the wall now as well. Absolutely fantastic yeah. bunch. Oh of yeah, that's cool. We took um, we went and did a short tour with hymns, didn't we? Hmm. Oh, yeah. oh um, Sam's act, yeah, with um, Sam's Pete. act, yeah. yeah, with Pete, who's a fucking sick drummer. He's, He's in a really good um, yeah, snake invasion. No, he was in Max Raptor before as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right, yeah. But yeah, we played a gig in Nottingham with them. Um, oh, what was that? Is the was it the Guana or something like that? Can't uh, remember. In Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. We played that one. We also played in Leicester with them. But we played in this like horrendous venue in Nottingham where you had to walk in, cross a tram line where you couldn't park, cross a, across the town there, walk up some stairs through a restaurant, up another set of stairs, and then into a venue where the whole floor moved because it wasn't supported properly. Wow. And the, the whole gig, we were like, someone's going to fall through the floor and we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the gig with that a little bit of peril? That was one of the worst venues we ever played, um, for sure. But there's another band that I just thought of that I have to mention. Spring Offensive. Yes. They were unbelievable to watch. Like the one of the best things I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of gigs. And I whenever someone's like, what's the best thing you best gigs you've ever seen? I always think of them because they're just put on an incredible show. They were like pretty different to um, <laughs> my baby's crying. <laughs> do you wanna, so do you wanna have a, take a two minutes? She's probably just turned over and is like, why am I awake? <laughs> I do that. That's how we all, yeah, we all think every time in the morning. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that um, Spring Offensive, they were like a band that um, you'd kind of imagine seeing at a massive festival with a huge stage set up, you know, all this elaborate lighting and all backgrounds and all this kind of stuff. And yet hardly anyone had really heard of them, but they were playing songs that would fit in that environment and they were playing at that kind of level as well. Yeah. Because they're all like phenomenal Just- musicians faultless like so so good and the singer had like so much charisma <laughs> yeah yeah they just they're one of those bands you see and you're like why aren't you huge band they're really really different to us like they were nothing really like our style of music but um we we ended up playing a couple of shows and then they put us on in oxford i remember yeah so we supporting, like, supporting them <laughs> we, were like, we were like big fans of each other's bands but we had like yeah nothing in common really but yeah they were just really cool guys and uh, I'm sorry to anyone who never saw them live because it was quite a thing. I they love, uh, so, they're uh, like semi-reformed briefly, didn't they? Like they tried to do a re- like a, a sort of comeback show for charity, but it was like struck down by COVID. Wow! But I think that they maybe they're going to do it again next year. You can still find them on Spotify, though. It's definitely worth checking them out. I was they've got loads of live oh, no, some live videos of them, which uh, would like you kind of feel what I'm talking about if you watch a few of their like. They do some like, yeah, some some stuff on YouTube of them like playing acoustically. It's just nuts. It's so good. So I was discussing this with um, last week's guest Adam um, about bands who are friends with each other who don't fit within necessarily in the same scene, but they don't sound anything alike. But how well it works when you can tell the fans appreciate that too. Was that sort of the vibe with that as well? They just said they don't really sound like you, but because you were good mates with them and because the your your fans, for example, could see that you could play yeah. with pretty much any other band. I think so. And also it worked because actually our link to Spring Offensive was Our Lost Infantry, which is a band from our local area who are also really awesome. Um, And they did a, they met them somewhere playing a show somewhere. And then they came up with an idea to like do a gig swap with Oxford where Spring Offensive are from and the Westie. So yeah, 
they did a show with them in Oxford and then they brought them to Oxford, uh, brought, brought them to the Westie to do a show with uh, Arlis Infantry. And we didn't play it, I don't think, but we were there and it was, yeah, it was just rad and opened I, it up for I us. Think you've just, you just like sprung a, an, a memory in my head. I, I think back in the day of like LimeWire and, and, you know, downloading the league, you know, Linkin Park, .mp3 and all this sort of shit. I remember the days of like, you would download a record and it would have, you know, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but it would have just like a couple of extra tracks for a band that you weren't expecting. Like you download a folder and it would just have a couple of extra tracks. I remember having our last infantry, like EP or a couple of songs. And I haven't thought about them in 15 years, I think yeah. maybe. Yeah, they were That's cool. Wild. Yeah, like you should go back. You should go back and check. Them I'm gonna out. have to go and like it's on an old laptop somewhere. I'm gonna have to go find it because it'd be one of those things hidden in a bunch of other folders and stuff. But yeah, that's a band I haven't I haven't heard that name in so long. You're probably taking me back now. I feel like I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to go and illegally download a load of music and just <laughs> get take myself back to 2005. I think like mm-hmm. in a way because of like bands like Spring Offensive, that's kind of a weird way that Hold Your Horses did all right is because people liked our bands like a lot of musos seem to like our band like people in other bands yeah um and then we'd hear their bands and be like oh they're really cool and then just make so many friends through doing that kind of thing and that was kind of how our whole operation worked was just other people in other bands liked us and put us on i guess because you can see if you're if you're in a band working hard and and touring you see that in every other band as well or every band see that sees that in you and You've already, like I said, forget music genre or any of that sort of stuff. You already have that in common. You can already sit there at a venue and go, we're all really tired. And you can all go, yeah, we're all really tired as well. Where did you drive from? And then you can yeah. already have We've that all been connection eating, with them. We've all been eating chili. I've been yeah. chili for yes, the next five nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tour chili. Yeah, like that's, I think that's why, why it was good for us because we didn't take it too seriously. We were just kind of like, well, let's have some fun with it. Yeah. And then the moment it did get too serious, we we're like, uh, <laughs> we should probably stop doing it. Yeah, I, 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 no, I never got serious. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to ask, but I feel like I kind of have to ask. But obviously, the Wikipedia page just says after six years, it says it sort of came to its natural conclusion. Is, is that a fair comment? It's sort of one of them. You did so many amazing shows. You, you toured forever, but it, what what was the sort of vibe towards the end of the band? Because obviously there's absolutely no animosity because you're sat here having a chat right now, which is always lovely to see. But was it just like one of those things? We just kind of burnt ourselves out, really. Like we were playing so many shows um, and at the same time still trying to have like a real life. Yeah. Um, Penny was trying to go, was he, was he going to uni or about to go to uni or something? I can't remember. Um, and yeah, it just got to the point where like, well, we either need to like, do this properly or change around a member or just call it a day. Yeah. Um, It was always, it was always kind of tricky because of like logistics because I was living in London and then Rouse was down in Surrey and Penny was in Brighton Brighton. at one point. Then he was back in Surrey, but he was working in Brighton or something. So basically we were all like, uh we still want to do stuff but it's getting harder and harder to actually make it happen like for a while it it seemed easy and we could just do so much stuff and we were like really really busy as a band and that was awesome and it kind of propelled itself and then suddenly that wasn't the case and we're like wow this is getting a lot harder and then we were like "Mm, maybe we're done (laughs) like we um no one fell out or anything it was just like 
logistically how do we get everyone it's only three people but how do we get everyone in this place to do this and yeah and then also plan, I guess, a tour is, is get, if it's hard enough to yeah. just get three people together planning thinking of planning a tour might just be legit like a logistical nightmare i think what kind of did it is we did like our ep um that was on big scary monsters mm-hmm. and we had like a bit of a buzz going and things were you know starting to pick up um and then we went to record the album with gordon and we were like great Let's see if we can get it on a label or whatever, you know, see what can happen. Um, because there was a little bit of interest here and there, like not a huge amount, but enough that we were curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up being the case that like none of that came through and we had to fund it ourselves. Um, yeah. But then yeah. in that in the meantime, we'd like waited for Too quite long. a long time because we were like exploring options. The album was finished, the momentum sort of died away. And then uh BSM were like not sure if they wanted to put it out and they're like oh okay <laughs> the, best, the best thing the best memory I have about that though when we were going to record the album we were like we need to get a load of money for it I, I spoke to Gordon I was like how much is it going to cost and he gave me a price and I was like Ugh, definitely can't afford that one mm-hmm. um, so we released like a live EP and just told everyone like buy this because it's literally going to help us pay for our album um, and loads of people were really generous and it was really nice so anyway we ended up with a load of cash from like doing a few shows in this live EP, but it still wasn't enough to what Gordon had said. And we just drove past Gordon's house one night after a show and stopped at his house and walked in into his lounge. And I went, Gordon, I'll give you this money right now if you record our album for this price. And he went, yeah, right. <laughs> I can imagine you walking in, he's in his slippers and his dressing gown and just you're just handing him a bunch of cash. And he's just like, I'm not sure what to say at this situation. I'm just going to say yes. Yeah, but yeah, he's like his his excuse were for taking the money was, yeah, you guys are pretty efficient, so yeah, I'm sure we can make it work. <laughs> yeah, he was like, if something else comes up halfway through, then I have to put you on pause. But yeah, fine. Was um <laughs> was Aprovu like your label? Was it like your your thing? Because didn't the was the first Samoans record out on that? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, so yeah. Penny started it because we then had to put the album out, but at yeah. the time you couldn't. Well, Penny Penny and Toby started it actually. And it was like they were putting on gigs under the name Aprevu. Yeah, that's right. Um, Toby, who's now in Socrates yeah. and Wheels and Deals Guitars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They started that and then you needed to have a label at the time to get your music onto, was it Spotify or, or iTunes? That was it. To get yeah. it on iTunes, yeah. it had to be on a label. Like a distro um, and stuff. But they just registered it as a label, but you know, just made it up basically. Hmm. And then iTunes went, oh, these guys are on a label. We can put their music out. And <laughs> that was kind of that. And then it just kind of grew a little bit from there. And then when it came around to putting Samoans out, we were like, we need a label. <laughs> Let's just put it on that same one. And I then remember... Dan's kind of taken over it, which is cool. What, Dan Barnett? Yeah, he's like taken over it, making it actually, um, you know, so it's organized so that you've got uh, like the discography lead and, and stuff like that. He's organized the website and things like that. Nice. I didn't know Dan. I didn't know Dan had uh, got into that. Yeah, because he's organized and I'm not. So he's <laughs> Dan the admin guy from Samoans then. Yeah, I'm also quite lazy. So <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I want to ask you, and, it, and it's uh, it's another thing like I, I spotted on your Wikipedia page is uh how you like to sort of reference things in the titles of songs. And obviously the the band <laughs> name itself is obviously just a, a hella record. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. What, the amount what, of shit we got for that is ridiculous. So many bands going, oh, we don't sound anything like Hella. Well, of course we fucking don't. We're not going to call ourselves after a Hella song. And yeah, you imagine just like a Hella. Hella tribute band. Like, what do you expect? What mm. do they expect? Like, yeah. no one's at nobody is a Hella tribute band because nobody really can get there. But no. yeah, <laughs> where, where did the idea of like, I, I guess say the idea, I guess it's kind of a simple idea, but where did like coming up with references for stuff in titles of songs and things come from? Or was it you just guys just pissing about or did you go? Yeah, it was just there. us like not taking it seriously and finding things funny and being like, fuck it, let's just call the song Christopher Walken. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics were like kind of dotted between like really, really tongue in cheek, sarcastic stuff and actual genuine lyrics. So that was like not really the same thing, but yeah, in terms of song names, we were like anything goes. And then like, uh, EP titles again were uh, I was really proud of some of those <laughs> like we a lot of them were literally referenced from stupid videos that we'd seen that we just quote all the time and then we just like oh, let's just call us on that like everyone everyone runs faster with a knife yeah that that's from uh, FPS <laughs> is it FPS first person shooter Doug that's it yeah. <laughs> FPS uh, Doug which is absolutely hilarious and I, I've watched that randomly I watched it recently it's so stupid, <laughs> but still quite funny because I remember that time that when we were obsessed with it. Like we were literally just saying the quotes from that all the time. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I I I love it when I see a band not taking things so seriously to the point where like it's regimented and routine and stuff. And you can tell that people are doing it for the love of doing it and not because like there's an end goal. If you know what I mean, I know a lot of bands might have an idea of like I said releasing a record on a label might be an end goal but it's not like the be all and end all and you enjoying the ride as it, as it gets to that point. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot more bands should, should be a bit more laid back. And I guess there's a lot of super serious bands and stuff out there now that are like, you know, having to do what they're told and all this sort of stuff. But I guess back in, back in the late or sort of early 2010s, you can sort of have a bit of a laugh and. Yeah. And it's just it. like, it's just being genuine. Like we were just, we were just playing in a band. Like, there are some there were some decisions that we made that were like we want it to be like this because we think it's a good idea but for the most part it was like we are literally just doing it because it's fun and that came across in us playing and having a laugh playing shows and yeah i think that's what people got something we never yeah like people people can appreciate that but it was never like a yeah we never had like anyone telling us what to do or anything like that (laughs) Every Although, time anyone did suggest something serious, I was like, nah. <laughs> like, you should yeah. probably change your name because, you know, you, you won't really grow your band with a name like that. I was like, give a shit. <laughs> I mean, well, we have to give a shout out to John Pierce, actually, because he, mm. for a little while, he was like, hey, I want to like try and manage a band. Uh, can I manage your band? And we're like, yes, that sounds cool. Because he'd obviously got like, loads of really good contacts with Ruben. Yeah. Um, like, booking agents like radio people uh endorsements and stuff and he was like maybe i can help you out and he did actually try really hard but nothing ended up being like nothing really came out of it but it was quite cool to be like yeah we've got a manager (laughs) (laughs) you've got a label and a manager love it yeah the label thing was like the most casual thing ever like no papers were signed. No, it wasn't even a handshake, I don't think. I think I ended up meeting, I met, I met Kev at the pub or something, Kev from BSM. I met him at yeah. the pub in Oxford or something like that. And um, that was kind of where that all came about, really. But I think now Penny had sent him something as well, hadn't he? Because they were doing... They put one of our songs on 
Yeah, that's right. It's not a compilation, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's I think a, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, you're you're the sort of band that should be on BSM." <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, yeah, fair, yeah." Okay. If you like, again, it, there are a lot of bands like Alk Pop and BSM. Yeah, you can listen to a band whether they're not on a label and go, "They should be on BSM because they fit within these parameters, and they should be on Alk Pop because they fit between these parameters." Obviously, there are a lot of bands that sort of cross that divide in a, in a good way and have a little bit of both, but. In all intents and purposes, Hold Your Horses, for, for me, a BSM band, like it's got all the right ingredients for that. Whether obviously it's not by design, it's just that's what, yeah. what you guys put together from. And I guess that's what Kevin and the guys there um, curate themselves by wanting to hear that type of music too. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they, um, were really, they were really good for us at the time. Like it totally worked. Yeah, out. it gave us it a, a good credibility. Mm. Yeah, people took us seriously and that was nice. Before um, I forget to ask, I need to ask about the tracksuit bottoms because it will go out of my head because you did say you were going to mention <laughs> tracksuit bottoms. So we played a show in Reading. Um, what was it? It was some weird like all day festival and Robin had broken your foot, I think, or something like that. Sounds likely BMX related. Yeah, he like broken his foot. But we were like, oh, we'll still play the show anyway. So Robin couldn't really move that much. So he was like... Sorry, he's got a guitar pedal to step on. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like um we we got in there and like set up and people weren't really bothered about our band like there wasn't really anyone watching us as well i don't think mm. i think there's actually a video of that show somewhere um, yeah it's yeah I, I won't say the name of it because i'll just say bad stuff about it uh, <laughs> but yeah like we played the show and then like a couple of days later there was this review in some of some website about us and it basically panned our music in like two sentences, but then it made a massive song and dance about the fact that Penny was wearing tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> like, what kind of basis was tracksuit bottoms? Like, literally, like something stupid like that. Yeah. Get like, yeah, fucked. He talks like that and says about someone <laughs> wearing tracksuit bottoms. Top draw journalism. Was it in the NME by any chance? Because it sounds like the sort of tosh that they would write. I can't remember. It was in something like half decent because otherwise we wouldn't have found it. But like, it just came up. It was such a ridiculous thing. And I'm pretty sure that Penny stopped wearing tracksuit bottoms after that. Oh, don't tell me that. Yeah. Oh, bastards. Whoever wrote that, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find the article now. I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to play them this. <laughs> like, you ruined a man's life here. That man's not been comfortable <laughs> since that day. <laughs> but yeah. Like, um, before I forget, we uh, failed to mention one of the most important bands in terms of our friends and playing gigs together, which is Stagecoach. Bloody hell, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you mentioning Alcopop just reminded me, like, man, what a band. What an awesome band. We're still uh, primed to do the Coach and Horses reunion tour one day. <laughs> well, there's two bands, again, that, you know, when you get, like, associated acts, when you're looking through labels and things, the, the two bands that are associated with you guys, according to the internet, are Ruben and Stagecoach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stagecoach, stage we played loads of shows with. Um, and, like, yeah, they, yeah, they became, so like... Because well they yeah, played they with became a Foreigner a lot, didn't they? Because of the whole Alcopop thing. Again, though, that's, like, a band that you wouldn't necessarily sound say we sound anything like, mm-hmm. but because we loved each other's bands so much, everyone's like, all right, fine. It makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Like I said, like, as a obviously I'm a, I'm a promoter, but I'm a music fan. I love seeing musicians friends with other musicians, and they're not just there, you know, because they're on tour together or there because they're playing a show together. You'd also go and see them when they came to your hometown, even if you weren't playing, because you're a fan of their music and you're, you know, mates. That's what creates those scenes. And um, obviously, going back to 
talking about like older shot and stuff and 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 that sort of area where all those bands were friends with each other before and then the scene became this sort of historical thing i guess now we're talking about 100 reasons and, and with ruben and and all that and then also going back to mirth and talking about leads it works and it and it and it matters that you know bands like other bands yeah i mean like stagecoach we loved them from like the word go just because they were so like it's fun they were so fun and like they got the party going and you know they were all characters as well like they're all so different as people on stage mm. i've even had a football team with them for the bsm five side nice and we came last because we were awful <laughs> but then the next year we did it again and we inv- they invited some of their friends who are actual footballers you're on the bench mate look. <laughs> um but yeah like we love playing shows with those guys even their very last show um we went to a place to pay on it and i i messaged one of them i was like hang on a minute why are we not playing your last what's going show? on here like yeah <laughs> and we just like ham-fisted our way into the last gig <laughs> you say that and not, not to put you on the spot but do you think you guys would play a show together again at some point not stagecoach hold your horses is it is it something that you chat about obviously not to you don't have to say yes right now but i guess it's always in the back of your mind i mean of all the bands i played in and i say this with respect to all the other ones the one i've had the most fun in was always hold your horses because it was exactly what I wanted it was exactly the sort of band I wanted to be in mm-hmm. and that's why I liked Robin's stuff in the first place because I was like he's playing stuff that I think's really cool and you'd always hear your friend's bands and be like they're really cool I wish I was playing in that band <laughs> and then I managed to actually do that and be like he's really cool I want to play in his band <laughs> <laughs> and just started it from there yeah like we wrote stuff that even now when I hear it I'm actually quite proud of it and like I think it's they're, they're good songs they're good riffs and stuff like that so, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to happen, mm. but you never say never. Like if someone said, you know, do a show, I'd be like, all right, why not? If we can do it, I would. Hopefully, it's less why, do you, why do you say it's, why do you say it's not going to happen? It's up to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm up got... for it. There you go. Because last quick, time quick, we... Where's, uh, where's James? Someone text him now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sure he'd be up for it. There's two babies and I've got a, a fairy puppy. So, you know... <laughs> And also, you live in a different country. <laughs> that's right. We've got yeah, Zoom. But, yeah. Yeah. Zoom gig. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, genuine, that's the 21st century, right? Genuinely, I, I would love to do that one day uh, when the time is right. I think it would be really, really good fun. But when the time is right, for like, it's tricky because the scene that we came from is, doesn't really exist anymore. We just um, have to get all those bands together. And like, I mean, I think, my ulterior yeah. motive is getting bands like Blackfish back together and Johnny Foreigner are now playing shows and stuff again. We can definitely do a. 2010 i mean we kind of like semi-reformed for one song at robin's wedding (laughs) and we were all like heavily drunk so it was awful (laughs) luckily there's no video of it (laughs) so we just have to take your word for that yeah (laughs) bizarre actually that experience yeah it It was weird how you kind of remember stuff though isn't it was that planned yeah dude it was like the last thing on my mind and my <laughs> wife was like oh shut up of course you planned it i was like no i was just having fun at my wedding and then uh all of a sudden <laughs> these two idiots was... wearing one no, of those tracksuit bombs, we had to so. convince no we i think we all had to be convinced basically the guy the guitarist in the wedding band is this dude called jim wilson who's <laughs> one of our mates he's legend he's an awesome guy and uh he was like oh but you could play a song together right and then just started i think he just started telling people that we were going to play and then people come up to you like oh you're gonna play a song i was like no i'm drunk <laughs> this is not happening and then uh yeah i don't know we got bullied into it 
and it went okay. Muscle memory is quite an amazing thing. <laughs> Even on a, a few champagnes. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, yeah, that, that was probably one of the most drunk times I've ever had was at Robin's <laughs> wedding. So yeah, that's interesting times. <laughs> it's a shame that we it's a shame that we didn't have any like remotely romantic songs to play. <laughs> it could have been worse. You could have done a like your first dance to a hold your horses song. I think that would have been like another level to that there. Yeah. I'm always, quite, I'm always quite <laughs> pleased by the fact that the first song we ever played was at our first gig, which was Broken Sound. And then the last song we ever played was Broken Sound as well. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I, so you're I like all about that. bookmarks in this band. I like it. Really are. <laughs> um, guys, I'm just aware that we've been chatting for an hour and 45 minutes now. Um, God. Yeah. And I know Sorry, we everyone. probably go on and, and on and on again, but um, I think I'm going to wrap it up if that's okay with you guys. Uh, and I really want to say thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on. And hopefully we can, we can get James on obviously in, in a few years time when, when Baba is a little bit older and we get you all back yeah. together and we'll do a 2010 reunion show somewhere. We'll find, we'll do it at the old blue last or somewhere like that. We'll get, when's it, when's the next anniversary of the album? You were saying this the other day uh next year it is next year jesus 10 yeah, years i'll book it in 10 years yeah, since the album get stagecoach and and you and i and spring offensive i can I mean, at least guarantee you and you and i and that's on the record now so i'm going to send this to tom rich and Wiz. i can stage, guarantee you at least one stage of the coach, three stagecoach i reckon we could get to reform <laughs> right it's done it's sealed uh this is this is digital handshake but guys thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure you're welcome Thanks for letting us waffle. Yeah, anytime. <laughs>